This is Peppercorn Does Better by Sarah Goldman, acted by Rachel Hilbert. Content warning, discussions of suicide and addiction. Hey everyone, my name is Peppercorn and I'm sort of an alcoholic. And I know that being an alcoholic is something that people 100% are, like being pregnant. I recognize this is wildly problematic. So for our purposes, let's just say that I am an alcoholic, not pregnant. The bottom line is, I'm trying to be better. I'm a strong believer in New Year's resolutions. I think that we should always be working towards something. I love goals, but rarely do I achieve them. That's what vodka's for, right? I'm just kidding. That was in poor taste. I apologize. Anyways, I always do New Year's resolutions on my birthday because that's actually when it's been a full year. Plus my birthday is March 1st, so that gives me like two months to get my shit together. And trust me, this year I needed my two months. It all started a few weeks ago. My son Franklin was the only one of my five chicks that could fly. Does that make me a terrible mother? According to my ex-husband, it does. And maybe this is morbid, but I don't think my stomach muscles could handle throwing up five times every two to three hours. Oh, but Peppercorn, that's what you're built for. Yeah? We're built to fly. Anyone else's wings give up after a couple flaps? Sorry, ADD, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, my dear son, Franklin, burner of my mood blanket. Have you ever heard of a mood blanket? No? Basically, it's a blanket that you knit, and each row or a couple of rows represents how you feel that day. Yellow for happy, red for mad, blue for sad, green for anxious, black for indifferent, and white for lock me in a fucking straitjacket. I had been working on it for five straight years. How did he set it on fire? Well, my son is of a certain age where at any moment I could walk in on him practicing mating dances. Now back in my day, a little one-two step was enough, but no, now we're including fireworks. Fireworks that must first be hidden by my precious mood blanket and revealed as my son is revealing himself. As you can imagine, that went horribly. I only saw the aftermath, Franklin screaming and flapping around the house like a maniac while my blanket was engulfed in flames. I grounded him, of course. The weight of losing my precious blanket didn't hit me until I went to Joanne Fabric. I was there to buy some new supplies so that I could attempt to recreate five years of blood, sweat, tears, and emotion tracking. I had found nearly every color of yarn I needed except for yellow, because apparently that's a popular color. Go figure. So anyways, I finally spot the perfect, most vibrant yellow. I mean, this yellow is really going to change my life, make me forget about how much of a fuck-up my son is and how that's probably my fault. And just as I am reaching for that gorgeous yellow fabric, guess whose stupid, clammy talons grabbed them first? My ex-husband's new wife, Marge! First of all, Marge is a peacock, so let's just keep that in mind. Second, Marge is 20 years older than me. That's right, I didn't get left for the hot new piece of ass, but the, the older, more mature piece of ass that actually pays the bills on time and was able to raise all six of her offspring. Which, let's be clear, don't have to cliff dive at two weeks old. Anyways, she grabs that perfect yellow fabric and says, Oh, Peppercorn, fancy seeing you here. Mind if I take this one? I really need it. And I say, yes, Marge, yes, I mind. But she says, I don't even let her finish. I say, yes, 
Yes, Marge, I motherfucking mind. I mind Marge because as much as you really need it, Marge, I need it about a hundred times more because your husband's son fucking burned the one thing in this godforsaken world that is letting me cope with the fact that I got left for a bird 20 years older than me and that I now have to take care of a teenager who I have walked in on about four times this month practicing mating dances on FaceTime with his guy friend. I need that gorgeous piece of yellow yarn because instead of getting my fucking tail sucked on until I lay another egg, I am knitting a five-year-old moon blanket. So Yes! Yes, yes, yes Marge! Marge. I got your motherfucking mind! And I snatched the yellow fabric from her, it and cried in my car. I'm better now. The outbreak I had at Joanne Fabric is not indicative of who I am as a bird. Franklin has since apologized, claiming that he didn't know how much that blanket meant to me, which is bullshit, but whatever. I have new goals now. My birthday was a week ago, and I'm really sticking to my diet. I eat grass every day, even though I dream about worms. I'm giving spirituality a shot. I've bought like five grams of authentic rose quartz from India or something. I look in the mirror and I tell myself I'm beautiful. I tell my son that I love him every day. Some days I mean it, some days I don't know, which is an awful, awful thing to say, but he looks just like his father and it makes me want to kill myself. I'm not kidding, but I'm a fucking coward, so I would never do it. All my chicks look like that piece of shit. I'm not an alcoholic, so please don't kick me out. Truth is, I'm here because I need someone to talk to. Because I got married to my high school sweetheart and I don't really have friends. But I want some. I really, really want some. And therapy is so fucking expensive. My company's insurance barely covers dental, so it's either I check myself into a psych ward or I lie to a group of people who I'm hoping have some mercy on my poor, stupid little soul. So, um, uh, what am I saying? I'm saying that, okay, so here's my mood blanket. As you can see, a lot of reds and blues, but today, I think I want to use some yellow. Trouble is, I've run out, so yeah. Hello, and welcome to The The Chef's Chef's Monologue, a podcast where we, your hosts, Phil Kenner, and me, Michael Wilder-Frizzell, invite our favorite writers to cook up an original short monologue based on a recipe that we provide. Then, we interview those iconic writers about their process, thoughts on theater, film, TV, etc., and deliver it directly into your hungry ears. We are so happy that you're here with us today for this episode where we have the one, the only, Sarah Goldman. Thank you so much for being here, Sarah. This is so exciting. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. We have just heard the one, the only, Rachel Hilbert 
deliver your gorgeous, terrifying monologue, (laughs) Peppercorn Does Better. So tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write Peppercorn Does Better. I was talking to my little sister, Mary, about Mm -hmm. the chef's monologue, and my sister calls me Bird. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to write a monologue about this, like, unhinged bird. And I think that it's so funny when animals do, like, human-like things Mm -hmm. and behave like people like there's this (laughs) there's this video that i love that i saw like a couple years ago where this rat is like giving himself a bath (laughs) so insane but he's like literally washing his little rat armpits and i was like it's so crazy when animals just behave like people and so i was like what if i took a step further and instead of making it a rat bathing itself i would have this unhinged little bird go to an AA meeting. Mm-hmm. Go to an AA meeting and gently yeah. lie about <laughs> being <laughs> an alcoholic. Walk us through the evolution of this monologue. How did it start and where did it end up in its current version? So the the first thing that came to me was I'm trying to do better or I want mm-hmm. to be a better person. Mm-hmm. And I always think about myself trying to do better and that usually starts at the beginning of the year and I was also writing this it it was uh, my first draft I sent to you guys like the day after my birthday so I was thinking about turning 23 and how it's such a weird age it's like not one of those iconic ages like 21 or like even 22 Mm -hmm. it's just like oh I'm 23 and I thought to myself how can I make this a memorable year and then I started thinking about resolutions and doing better and how I completely forgot about all my New Year's resolutions. So uh, I thought, you know, what if this little bird decides that they're also going to have resolutions, but around their birthday when it's been like an actual year of like life Mm -hmm. for that person. And I just kind of started writing and I guess it started off as like peppercorn sort of manifesto. And I was like, who would she say this to? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, a group of alcoholics. So, yeah. <laughs> it just kind of developed <laughs> itself. And she will have an incident at Joanne Fabric. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you frequent Joanne Fabric? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, say, say you do. We're looking for the sponsorship money. <laughs> yeah, we're like, we're like, oh, no, we love Joanne no, I, Fabric. Are you kidding me? I have a moon blanket and I... Go to Joanne Fabric all the time. The chef's monologue brought to you by (laughs) Joanne Fabric. We have to stop making jokes about how much money we need. (laughs) Yeah, we have to make it. Oh, my God. I'm curious to know how this lines up with what you usually like writing, which is my sort of Russian nesting doll way of asking you, what do you usually like writing? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, And I feel like it changes all the time, but recently... I have really loved writing about, like, groups of friends. Mm -hmm. And I love, like, not, like, gangs, like, bang, bang, like, (laughs) shoot (laughs) kind of gangs, but, like, gangs of friends. Mm -hmm. I usually like to write that. And then I think I like to handle difficult topics by using just surrealist stuff. Mm -hmm. And I considered surrealism some of my cohort members have said you have a lot of horror elements or just like craziness in there which which I I think is a great way for us to to deal with difficult topics because it's masked by just Mm -hmm. 
how how unhinged the moment is and unhinged is apparently a word I like to use a lot recently so um, <laughs> yeah um, yeah I I like to write a lot about like women and femininity and I have a really good relationship with the women in my family so I like to write about motherhood and mothers and daughters mm. too but this time I decided to write about mothers and sons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And a mother who's not so enthusiastic <laughs> about her role. Yeah. That, um, that line where she talks about, where Peppercorn says, like, I, I tell my son I love him every day, but he looks like his effing father. I think that was just gorgeous. A gorgeous kind of way to distill this, this complicated relationship. Thank you. And I love hearing you talk about surrealism. I mean, you know how much I love dark comedy and how oh, much yes. I love absurdity. And I think that this... You know, we're able to look at things that scare us and that piss us off much with a much uh, with a lot less labor if we can laugh at it. You know, Absolutely. when we approach something serious and upsetting and we make it fucking stupid, it's like, oh, OK, I can understand this better. And more to the point, our experience of this of this horrifying <laughs> historical moment we're living in is entirely yeah. surreal. And so oh, yeah. creating surreal things, creating surreal writing is a way of representing that feeling as opposed to representing fact, which is blah, boring. Yeah. And it's so funny when you like realize that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like I was sitting here, well, sitting in the library before I came here and working on my horror movie where I can only write during the daytime because I'm scared out of my mind. I hate scary stuff, and I only write scary stuff right now. And I'm like, wow, this is, like, deeply personal. And it's so funny that I'm, like, working my stuff out through this lens Mm -hmm. because I was like, oh, I'm not going to be the sort of writer that does that or, like, I have an acting background. I was like, I never want to, like, work out my issues on stage. Mm -hmm. But I think that if you can do it in a crazy, funny way, then it's, like, okay, (laughs) you know? Well, there's some sort of healthy removal to it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, yeah, tell me more about how your acting background informs your writing background. Yeah, I... I became a writer because I was like not in love with the stuff that I was getting. Mm-hmm. And um, also I am a black woman. And <laughs> I heard a lot of uh, people, a lot of black people in my circles talk about how they didn't want to be um, black artists. They just wanted to be artists. And I was like, that's such a, a sad way to look at your um you know, position in this world that there are a lot of really exciting and fun stories that you can tell, but you know, using your your background. So it's like I want to start writing stuff that people are excited about, that actors are excited about, that black actors are excited about. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think when you think of a, a black play, you think of this like really limited idea of blackness. And you don't you don't even have to dwell on being black to have a black play. You can just have mm-hmm. a black playwright write for black people. Mm-hmm. So um, I wanted to I wanted to create something that I would be really excited about and that people my uh, people in my position would be really excited about. And then also when it comes to like screenwriting or like film and TV writing, I think about the the stuff that my little sister likes to consume, mm-hmm. and I think about myself when I was her age and how, like the kind of characters that I would want to see on stage and what would be really exciting for her. And I'm finding myself being able to do that even more now that I'm you know writing some stuff for teens as well. Yeah, and yeah, 
Are there any childhood pieces of media that still inform your work today? Twilight. Yes. <laughs> I. This is so crazy. I love the Twilight Saga. I don't care what anybody says. I talked about it in my in my artistic statement for here, and I mm-hmm. got in. So <laughs> I can <laughs> thank you, Stephanie Meyer. I know it is so terrible. But no, it's fantastic. <laughs> Please tell us what you love about Twilight. Okay, so it it's like two hundred percent nostalgic. Because mm-hmm. I started, um, I, I started reading the Twilight series in the fourth grade, and I ended up going to see all the movies with my dad, which is like so funny. And I had the umbrella, I had the jacket, I have like the deck of cards with the trivia, I had the like the yes, bracelets yes. with the family crests on it, yes. all kinds of craziness. But it was my first introduction into like fantasy, and. Um, like, you know, vampires and werewolves. And after I read Twilight, I would read all kinds of stuff with all these supernatural creatures. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what opened my mind to, you know, fantasy in in storytelling. So um, I I don't know. I've always loved, I've always loved vampire stuff and I've always wanted to write a vampire show or a vampire romance. But every time I start it, it ends up going in a completely different direction. Of course. And, um... Twilight has influenced a couple of the this the things that I've written in this in this program as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's so much fun to think about the things that like watered our gardens, so to speak, <laughs> as children and like as teenagers. And that is a time when your brain is just like starving for a sense of self and for mm-hmm. shit that makes you laugh and like Gives you a sense of autonomy too. I think when we do, when we choose media as teenagers, it's like, oh, I don't have control over any of the fucking things that happen in my day. I have to go to school. I have to do these tests. I have to apply to fucking college. But I can go to Twilight. Like yes. I can be with Edward and Bella, and I can love them. And um, it's funny you're talking about New Year's resolutions because one of my New Year's resolutions was to revisit a piece of childhood teenage media that I was foundational to me, which was Stephen King's Dark Tower series. Oh, which I've, I've my resolution was I want to read the whole series again this year, and I'm I just finished book three or book four I should say, and it is so funny how foundation like I I read these books and I'm like oh I remember this like I I, I remember reading this part being in high school in like being in the library. And like avoiding homework and just reading, like escaping into this book, and it's kind of crazy how both the act of revisiting the story unlocks memories that I otherwise don't don't kind of have access to. Sarah, what kind of reader were you? Were you like a under the desk? Were you at the family party in the other room? Oh yeah, I was eating books. <laughs> I love to read. <laughs> I, I yummy, would... yummy. Doctor, doctors don't recommend that. This is not recommended. well. Not literally, guys. Omg. <laughs> I <laughs> I would yeah, I'd read everywhere. I um I couldn't I remember I couldn't sleep one night because I'm a scaredy cat and to soothe myself I read Breaking Dawn. Ooh. And I was afraid of being in my um in my own room, so I snuck into my parents' room and I snuck into their bathtub and like read in <laughs> their in their bathroom at night while like, they were asleep yes to finish the breaking dawn book and i think like my mom came in the room and she was like what, what are you doing get out Sarah, what the <laughs> hell is going on <laughs> i just wanted to be near my parents while i was reading i was so scared to be in my own room well, why are you reading breaking dawn in the bathtub <laughs> yes. 
they fight a nickel for every time. What did you think? I mean, spoiler if you haven't seen the Breaking Dawn movie, but it's been years, so get over it. What (laughs) did you think about that fake out in that movie? Um, When I tell you that me and all the other girlies who were there at midnight screamed... I remember I remember getting out of my chair and being like, what the hell is happening? I, it was insane. I was like, this peak cinema, nothing on this earth will ever be as exciting as this. You can't shock me anymore. And the giant vampire fight at the end of the Breaking <laughs> Dawn movie, which does not happen in the book. I said no. spoiler alert, so whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, Excellent. Oh, my God. Um, well, let's go back to peppercorn. <laughs> I need to know what your secret ingredient was. <laughs> okay. Does anyone remember iFunny? No. iFunny.co? <laughs> yeah. There's this app called iFunny. It was like where you could essentially share like memes and stuff. And it was like, my favorite thing to look at in high school. I would just like scroll through iFunny. It was like better than Instagram. And I came across this screenshot of a tweet by this old woman. And it <laughs> said, the outbreak I had at Joanne Fabric is not reflective of who I am as a person. <gasps> and I have thought about that ever since I saw that. <laughs> oh, my God. And then you put it in the mouth of a literal bird. Yes. <laughs> who is going through, like, a divorce and raising a child. Oh, my God. You're a goddamn genius. That's so funny. <laughs> Can you say the tweet one more time? The outbreak I had at Joanne Fabric is not reflective of who I am as a person. <laughs> if you had to get that tattooed on your body, no. where would it go? Where would it go? forehead oh my gosh <laughs> everyone was, would know it's like so that's such a brilliant tweet because it's like like for sale baby shoes never worn you know it's like that cryptic yes. it's like, the more you think about it you're like what happened to Joanne Fabric to make this woman tweet about it what <laughs> happened to Joanne Fabric which we learned today we were talking before we were recording it's not Joanne's Fabric or Joanne's Fabrics it is it's Joanne Fabric which no one says that but I had to be correct there's no essence. There's no possessive. Yeah, isn't that so weird? It's like the fabric is Joanne. It's not her fabric. It's like she is. <laughs> I, oh, it's like her name is Joanne, Joanne Fabric. Fab- yeah, yeah. It's like, like also Mike's is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the fabric is Joanne. The fabric <laughs> is Joanne. <laughs> it's just we're cutting up yards of Joanne. <laughs> oh, <laughs> too far. <laughs> she's like, oh my she's god. Locked. Um, Sarah also had this insane script that I read one time about the secret to um, oh the bread <laughs> the secret um, of to Olive Garden why they're so successful is because there is a single gremlin or what is he he's, <laughs> a, elf. he's an elf, elf I'm maybe. sorry he's the Olive Garden elf who's locked in a diaper making all of the endless breadsticks <laughs> in a diaper and they, yeah because he doesn't get bathroom breaks he has to wear a diaper <gasps> and like a new employee like discovers him and it like becomes a social media phenomenon because they're like what. <laughs> Like, this is where the breadsticks are coming from. It's incredible. Olive Garden, when you're here, you're an elf. (laughs) An elf named Yeast. I told told that story to my family. (laughs) While we were, like, sitting at Olive Garden, I think it was, like, a couple days before I was going to leave for grad school, and I was sitting with my sister and my dad, and I was like, you want to know how you got those breadsticks? And they were just like... You can't see my face, but they're like, oh, Sarah, <laughs> can you please relax? So if that gives you. <laughs> like, it's an elf named Yeast. <laughs> elf named Yeast. He hasn't had a poop break in years. <laughs> He's just sitting in a diaper filled with elf shit. <laughs> oh, you want some more? Waiter. <laughs> Waiter. Who wants unlimited breadsticks? Your secret ingredient. 
Joanne Fabric, Elf in a Olive Garden. <laughs> I'm having a, a trip right now. <laughs> I can't believe we've covered this many bases. Um, I think now I would love to hear from you. Listeners, you're tuning in. We love to do a segment called One Minute Stand, where we have our writers give a roughly one minute, we won't time you, take as long as you want, but a roughly one minute positive rant about another art maker, writer, theater person, film person, whoever, someone that they are obsessed with. So, Sarah Goldman, without further ado, your one minute stand. My one minute stand is Alicia Harris. Yes. I have read both of her plays, one of which I was just the dramaturge for when they did a production of What to Send Up When It Goes Down and at Congo Square, which is a fantastic theater. If you are ever in the Chicago area, please check them out. And her other plays is Goddess, which we read in our playwriting class. Mm-hmm. And I also like heard people talking about it. And what's so fantastic about her is that she really utilizes the fact that theater is all balls to the walls, do whatever you want, even mm-hmm. in the writing of it. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading Is God Is for the first time and looking at the typography, which is nuts. Because I write, for someone as crazy as I am, I still write the character and then line, line, line. Mm-hmm. Nothing interesting about looking at it. It's all in the words. But her words do like jumping jacks. There's huge font. She'll just like let one word take up an entire page and she's like, okay, do it. And then she'll put a stage directions that's like the the stage catches on fire and everyone and we have to do it. And mm-hmm. somehow people figure out how to do it. I love impossible stage directions. I love the magic of theater. I love it when we don't let the fact that it's theater get in the way, but let the fact that it's theater be make the work more expansive and I love that she is so unapologetic about what she writes how she writes and the content of what she writes I think that what to send up is probably the most powerful piece of theater that I have ever seen because it just has no rules and the audience is like forced to participate I don't know if I would ever write something like that but it was such an exciting thing to be a part of so I am just like so excited to see what she has coming next she's like so fantastic and so exciting that's amazing (laughs) that play is god is is exceptional it's just this it is so it loves the genre it's writing and it's the road movie it's the revenge plot and it's beautiful um that is a fantastic one minute stand thank you so much thank you sarah goldman thank you so much for being here you this this was such a gift um thank you (laughs) thank you thank you so much for this monologue once again it was peppercorn does better by sarah goldman acted by the one the only rachel hilbert thank you so much for tuning in see you next week (laughs) we'll see you you whenever the next goddamn episode comes out (laughs) you can wait as long as you need to for it maybe next week we'll see